Steam locomotives were some of the most powerful machines ever built. They pulled trains that fueled our imagination. They represented vision, collaboration, ingenuity, customer service, and extraordinary human achievement. But in order to get to their destination, it took someone guiding them through a series of switches in order to get to the main line. Just like leaders today, it takes someone directing them down the right path in order to get to their destination. Welcome to Mainline Executive Coaching ACT, which stands for and Cultural Transformation, hosted by Master Certified Intelligent Leadership Executive Coaches, Michael Bailey and Rich Barron. With over 50 years of successful cultural transformation and quantum leadership development between them. Once again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's show. And we are on. All right, here we go. Leaders that crash and burn and leaders that turn it and thrive. That's what we're going to be talking about today. This is Rich and Michael with uh, Mainstream Executives Coaching. Mainline Executive Coaching. It's been a long week here, man. So Mainline Executive Coaching. And we want to do some reflecting about people that we've worked with and worked uh, either in, in conjunction in, in our occupations or have coached and uh, take a look at what, what's the difference between those those coaches that take on enormous challenges, but somehow don't quite make it. They, they hit the wall. They turn and crash as opposed to those that turn and round and get it working for themselves that learn how to thrive. So we're going to start. Rich has got a, an anecdote he wants to share with you, and then I've got one that I want to share with you. So, Rich, go ahead. You know, it's, it's interesting. You know, if you think back through your career or in your life or anything along those lines, you, you think about all these leaders that you have dealt with. Um, you know, I even going way back to even playing, you know, sports, little league, you know, in, in high school. Uh, anything, anything even beyond that, people who were leaders, uh, teachers, coaches, who had a positive impact on your life or perhaps, you know, a learning moment or even something that you saw that you knew that you didn't want to be like. You know, one of the one of the big concerns I've I've seen with some of the leaders I've had in my life, and I've had a lot of great ones. Um, a lot of very good uh, leaders in, in my life that really kind of got me to where I am and, and pushed me to where I was in, in my career. And some of these, um, I can tell you about other leaders. I'm going to tell you about a friend. I'm, I'm not going to mention names. I'm not going to mention organizations. This is just simply, simply a learning lesson, if you will, uh, about a very dear friend. He was not... Uh, you know, I didn't work for him or anything like that, but he was in a very high position, leader position uh, position in the organization he worked for and was a very dear friend. And over time, he he traveled a lot. He was he was away from home and his job became pretty much everything in his life. Um, and as a result, Due to the stresses, due to the you know being away from home all the time, 
and and the struggles that that in, that cost. Um, and I'm not ta- talking just being away from home. I'm talking global travel. You know, every other week was someplace else. You know, on the globe, um, working with different customers, working with different people, and eventually that took a toll on him, uh, a, a a big toll. Where the where it came down to the point where the stress levels and everything became too much for him. We talked about leadership derailment the other day in in uh, another podcast, and leadership derailment is a real it's it's a real issue where stress can become too much. Um, the the vigors of the job become become too much the demands that you put on yourself and not only uh that you put on yourself but the organization can put on you customers can put on you name it there's there's a lot of different things eventually it got to the point where he lost everything the stress the workload became more than he could handle and he didn't look to work he he brought that home with him and it impacted his family, impacted everything around him to the point where, you know, he had lost his family and eventually took his own life. But a lot of it and comes right down to where he was in his business. And, uh, you know, they eventually let him go prior. The, the company worked for because of uh, some things he started to do, decisions he started to make. Um, really, it cost him his job and everything, and it became too much for him to handle. And it, it's it's a very good lesson and has been a very good lesson to me on understanding that as a leader, it's very important to maintain who we are, not only on a leadership level, but a, a personal level as well. Um, you know, my, my dad... Um, who who passed away a couple of years ago was also someone in my life that I really admired, great leader. But one of the things, and he retired from a very very high position in the Forest Service um, after several years uh, working um, with the Forest Service. And I'm, the things he used to tell me, and I've I've always you know tried to hang on to this was the fact that. A job or a career is nothing more than to put, you know, food on the table and a a roof over your head. The most important things in your life are not your career. That's an important part of your life. Absolutely. It it makes up a lot of who you are. But you've got to understand that that career and that job is simply to support who you are and, and your family. And I, there has to be a strong distinction between the two. And some of the greatest leaders I've known or worked with understood that. They understood that. And they were very good at the distinction between the two, who, who I am at work, who I am in my career, and who I am with my family, who I am outside of work. I don't take that with me. I don't take those, those stresses with me. And, you know, I've been guilty of doing that. I've been guilty of, you know, 24-7, you know, in, in the past, you've got that that ball and chain around your ankle. Uh, you've got one of these in your pocket 24-7 waiting for a phone call from somebody or, you know, that's that's how you live. You know, I've got to have that phone with me. I've got to have, you know, I got to think about the next thing I'm going to be doing at work or the next project. 
And there really needs to be a distinction. There really needs to be a separation. And, and you know, some of the best leaders I know were able to do that. And unfortunately, you know, for my friend, he was not. He was not, and it consumed him. It, it, it consumed him. That's a very hard way to go. Very, very hard way. And that's a very sad yeah. story. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, a good lesson. it's a good lesson because you see the stresses of work, you know, and, and especially emerging leaders and other leaders who are really trying to get to that next level, really trying to expand their horizon in a lot of ways, take on more than they can handle, you know, take on more than they can, you know, they're capable of doing at the time. And, you know, a lot of them are simply to get that, you know, I see this leader having all these things in his life. And so I want that, you know, I want the name on the door. I want the prestige. I want the title. And, you know, you need to be ready for those things and understand that, it, that if you're not, you you know, get ready for them because with those, with that position, you know, comes additional stress, additional uh, workload, additional responsibility to everybody around you. And that can, that can be a lot for some people. Yeah. It reminds me of that character played by Robin Williams in the movie Hook. Remember that? You remember that yeah. story? Yeah. I always, well, yeah. Thought, I, really, I always thought the story that is uh, the character that Robin played was really Steven Spielberg. I thought it was kind of an autobiography about his own life. <laughs> I bet there was a lot Possibly. of Possibly, yeah. <laughs> he produced it probably too. Yeah. Let me tell you about another fellow that I met a while ago. Uh, extraordinary guy, very positive, very powerful, but very charismatic, incredible work ethic. Just a great guy, just a dynamic guy. He even was uh, on the stage with Tony, Tony Robbins, and okay. um, and he was one of his coaches, just a, a, an amazing guy, self-made man, and um, he made a lot of money. He made several millions of dollars. The first time he did the shot, you know, going after the big ball, right? And and then a number of things happened to him. I think there were some things in his personal life, and then a partner stole a bunch of money. Just you know, terrible things. Lost it all. Lost it all. So I'm going to take another shot at it. And he did. And he went back to work. He worked hard. He was working smarter this time. Then I think some other other things in his life, some some the personal stuff really started hitting really, really hard again. And again, lost it all. So I get a contact from him and he wants to talk to me about coaching and about, you know, getting himself back together to get back into the game. And when I talked to him, he had he had, like I said, lost it all. He was now renting a room, a small bedroom, not not an apartment, but a bedroom in somebody's house. The table, let's see what the floor wasn't even level. And so he's sat, he's got a bed in one one side, he's got this table that kind of wobbles because the floor is uneven. And he's talking to me with his phone, his his cell phone that I, I think wasn't altogether working all that great. And he says, I just need help, man. I just really need help. I know what to do, I know how to do it. I'm just not doing it, and I don't know why. See, sometimes when we get hit so many times so hard from so many different directions, it really not only knocks the wind out of us, it, it, it knocks the very desire to win out of us. 
And what he just needed was somebody to work with him and help him get back on track, hold him accountable, getting him to start thinking better, thinking clearly, more clearly about what do I do? How do I do this? How do I start this process of putting one foot in front of the other, in front of the other, and the other? So we went to work and we started doing that. I started asking him, well, what do you know about this? What do you know about that? Because he used to teach people. He used to teach this stuff. He used to coach other people. So it wasn't a matter of the intellectual knowledge. It was a matter of the heart. It was a matter of the gut. That's what he got, you might say, internally blown up. That all blew up on him. So now he felt scattered. And so we step by step started putting it together. And it was a marvelous experience to watch this very brilliant man, this very this guy that just ha- was fearless in a lot of ways. He just fearless. He'd go talk to anybody, anytime. That was part of what made him such a great sales guy in his particular industry. And watching it pull back together again and again and again over a period of time so that he, he actually did. I think he didn't even have a car. <laughs> to get into a point where he, he now had a car. It wasn't like a real beauty by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a car. And then he had this girlfriend. It wasn't like the greatest girlfriend, but it was kind of somebody that had some sort of some sort of association with it. You know, I'm not, I don't feel so alone in the world. I think his, his landlady was kind of a wacky person. So really couldn't do a whole lot there. But literally a guy whose his life was just smashed in a lot of different directions. And coming back and getting back into the game and learning how to manage himself again, getting himself focused, getting himself into the self daily disciplines that he required to do so that he could motivate himself so they could start again. And he started before he had his own company, but now he lost to companies, lost him. And so he went and worked for somebody else. And it was hard for him. It was really hard because he knew more than the people who were running the companies. It's one of those big companies that, you know, the, the bean counters are back east and they make these weird decisions based upon absolutely no information, but just a lot of data. Right. They don't really know what it means, but they think they do. And so he was just running circles around him in terms of how he performed, what he got done, you know, the bonuses. And they were dry, it was driving him crazy because he was always busting the commissions with them because he knew how to sell, sell it so well. They'd always want to bring it in. Well, you're doing so well. We got to kind of bring those commissions down, you know, because you can't be making too much money here, you know. Company's got to be making money too. And you just keep busting them. And eventually, she's seeing him at, at one point saying, you know, I'm done. I'm done with you. I'm going back into business for myself. And just watching him take off. The ability to do that, oftentimes we think that it's, I just have to know some stuff. And I'm telling you, oftentimes it's more than that. Oftentimes it's somebody there helping you to see what's going on, to see it more objectively, to see it more clearly, to hold you accountable, to ask you the critical questions that you may not want to ask yourself. You may not even want to hear or have to go over or think about or any of that kind of stuff, but then say, okay, this is what you expect. Let's put the plan together. Let's have you implement it. And then watch as they do it, as they go back at it again and again, building themselves back up, their belief in themselves, their trust in themselves, their confidence back up. It is a powerful, powerful experience. And that really is what executive coaches or one part of executive coaching is all about. Sometimes we lose a mojo just because life happens to us or you know, who knows what the reasons are. So we know a lot of stuff about what we should be doing, but we don't feel it. We don't feel the motivation. We don't know how to kick it back in. That's where that coach can come. And it seems like, well, how can a coach do that? How can a coach get me more motivated? How can they 
they do that. Well, they really can't get you more, more motivated, but they can get you inspired. They can ask you insightful questions. They can see you from a different point of view. Sometimes we get beat up in life. And so we see ourselves from this kind of dark or unfortunate or beat up kind of point of view. And your coach is going to go, no, I see the guy or the gal underneath it. I see that individual that you have somehow lost sight of, that you've lost connection to. I'm going to work with that person. I'm not going to work with the person over there that's all beat up because this is a person I know is really you. This is the person that really has the gumptions and the guts and the, the know-how to go out and get it. That's who we're working with. And just by having that different kind of attention on you, your brain starts working differently. Your heart starts working differently. Your gut starts working differently and your hands go to work and they start working differently to produce the results that you want. You wouldn't think it would be that kind of a thing, but that's the magic of coaching. When you work with a great coach that knows you and knows how to get you going again, it turns their entire life around. And the interesting thing about it is you will remember that coach to your dying day. If it's the right coach for you and the one that really worked for you, got things going again for you, You'll remember them forever. And the coach is just being the coach. They just want to be out there to help you. And they'll help you. And that's that's uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it, Rich. Well, good. You know, you have you have coached people all over the world. You've got what you've you over two thousand clients you've worked with, and how many thousands of people you've you've spoken to? Um trained. Yeah. What's an example? What's an example? Uh, that you saw as as someone that was an absolute stellar leader? Stellar leaders are very interesting people because they don't usually start out as stellar leaders. Oftentimes they start with a lot of doubt. They have hope. They have aspirations. They're willing to work hard. They're really willing to dedicate themselves, but they don't quite know how to bring it together. I'm thinking in particular of uh, one lady uh, in Australia, brilliant lady amazing woman that just, I mean, she had a lot of success in a number of areas, but in this one area she really wanted to excel at, she just couldn't get it together. I'm thinking of another fellow up in Canada, bright guy, capable guy. <laughs> I'll have to tell you about it sometime. But he could not get his act together because his assistant wouldn't work with him. She just would not do what he was asking her to do. And he got all flummoxed and upset because I don't know what to do with this person. What do I do with it? And it was just, it was a very funny thing. And yet the guy went on to build an incredible business. It was just this one little thing that he got wrapped up into. He didn't know how to do it. But once we got that worked out, it was amazing. All of a sudden, something something happened. Something kicked in. I'll tell you about him sometime. But stellar leaders, it's like they say, uh, leaders aren't born. They are made. Yeah, they are made, and they are not. There's no such thing as Zig Ziglar says as a self-made man or a self-made woman. Everybody stands on somebody else's shoulders. Everybody right. needs somebody's help along the way. And I remember even Zig when he was in his 70s. I think he was in his 70s. He still had a coach that he was reporting to once a month on a regular basis, just to check things out to make things make sure things were working that he wasn't missing anything, that he had that person that knew him well and kept him, you know, kept him going. So it's just the way we, we are. The best performers, whether yeah. in business or in the arts or in sports, what do they have? They all have coaches and there's a reason for it. Yeah. 
You know, I, and I've found in, in my life and the different things that I've done is the best leaders, the best teachers, the best coaches are very humble. They're not the ones that are going to tell you I'm the best. I can do this better than you. you you're never going to hear that. They're not going to. They'll teach. They, they teach from because they want you to be better. They lead because they want you to be better. And that's what I have found is you're never going to find, at least in my my experience, the best leaders, best teachers are have always been very humble and very open to you know, giving you all the knowledge they have. All the knowledge they have. I can tell you an example of, of someone that I, I truly admire. And again, I'm, I'm not going to mention names on, on here, but uh, in, in my career, he was he was uh, vice president of the organization. And, and I answered to him in my position and he was going to retire. He decided he was going to retire. But he he was in Florida and I was, I was in Salt Lake. And he decided he wasn't going to tell me over the phone. He flew out to Salt Lake City and sat down with me. We went to lunch and, and talked. And he told me, it was then that he told me that he was planning on retiring and gave me my, in person, gave me my, my last, you know, final um, review for the, for the previous year in person. And also gave me a ton of, of, of advice. Things that I, I could do better on, things that I'd done well at. And the, the good thing about that, even though he was in Florida and I was in Salt Lake, he knew our business like the back of his hand. You know, he knew the numbers. He knew everything about what we did and was able to you know work with it. He was he was uh, de pretty demanding about some of the things that he wanted done. But at the same time, he was willing to help you get there. He was going to show you how to get there. And, you know. A great guy, and he's, you know, he retired and is off doing his thing with his family, and has been for, you know, this is, oh, probably fifteen or so years ago. But at the point, my my point is, is that he took the time. He didn't have to call me. There was no no one used Zoom back then. It was probably longer than fifteen years ago. Now that I think about it, but took the time to actually come out, sit down with me tell me he was going to be uh, retiring and kind of pass the torch, if you will, uh, on a lot of different things. And I've, I truly admired that. And, um, you know, thought about that, that ever since, you know, you took the time to actually come out and sit down with me. It wasn't a phone call, you know, it was in person. And so that was, that was one thing that I thought was, was really good. So anyway, there's, I'll tell you, you know, there's been a lot of great, great leaders in my life. You know, there's, and then we see examples all the time of, of very poor leadership. We do. We'll get a chance to talk more about them. Yeah, there's, and I think that's probably another, another episode without, you know, examples of maybe poor leadership. But, and again, you know, I think everybody listening to us on this podcast or, you know, watching us live right now has an example of someone in their life that put them, help them get to where they are now. It's like you said, nobody gets anywhere without standing on the shoulders of somebody else. And that's if, if if there's a lesson for today, for anybody listening, pass that on. Who around you are you going to help push to the next level? Who around you is going to carry on your legacy? And who will you graciously accept their help as they encourage you? And 
help you develop your oh, team. Absolutely. That's what it's it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was a beautiful example. That boss coming out to see you, Rich. That's, yeah. That was wonderful. Thanks for sharing that. All right. So what do they do from here? Well, thanks for watching. You know, I, I what they do from here is go to uh, where our, our podcast is played on, on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or any one of those that it's out there on and download it. That's what they do next. And listen to it a lot. So we've got lots of episodes out there that they can do that. So that's 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 their next step. But if they want to get a hold of us, if anybody out here wants to get a hold of us, Executive Leaders Act, ILEC.com. And go to our website. Go there and, and look us up and get some information on us. Reach out to us. Schedule some time with us. Let's, do, let's sit down and talk. Uh, you know, let's, let's uh, get you to that next level. And once again, um, thank you very much for being here today. We appreciate it and take care. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for watching, folks. All the best to you. Bye for now. With all of the issues facing leaders and organizations today, you need executive coaching more than ever. Go to our websites, richbarronexecutivecoaching.com or michaelbailey.com. You can also find us both on LinkedIn. Reach out to us and let's sit down and find out just how bright your future can be with executive coaching. We'd also like to thank all of our supporters in over 60 countries and 600 cities worldwide who have helped to make us one of the top executive coaching podcasts in the world. From Rich Barron and Michael Bailey, this is Mainline Executive Coaching ACT. Thank you and take care.